A brief message from your friendly neighborhood editing Jordan. We tend to try to keep things pretty PG-13 around here, but this is an improv podcast. So who knows what we're going to say. Sometimes we throw in some swearing, some sexual content, and some violence. So as a general warning, viewer discretion is advised. Also to be noted, the opinions stated about a certain tabletop role-playing game are just that, our opinions. We love the game and we like talking about it. So any criticisms are really just all in good fun. That being said, wizards, please hire us. All right, with that out of the way, let's get on with the show. <laughs> no more lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the ploy all along. Get us to stop using Zoom so you she don't hear her anymore. Heart. Reduced to Levi's heart <laughs> ventricle or something. And in Atrium. like 30 years, I will... Upload her consciousness to a robot lady, and she will be my wife. Nice the, try. You, the song you from can't... Titanic. <laughs> what? Wait, 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 What are you talking about, Jordan? The song from Titanic. The near far where my heart will go on. Yes, that's the robot lady is in uh, Levi's heart. <laughs> well, no, no, like lit, like I, she, I, she's on a USB stick. I put her in there, like surgically. In my heart, there a physical. Sure that's healthy? There's a physical piece of metal in my heart. It's not, not the case, case but, but it feels like USB stick is like saying ATM machine. <laughs> I'm just saying. I could see that. And in 30 years, I'm gonna like put my hand in there like that guy from Indiana Jones 2, and then pull it out. Yo, like that guy from Indiana Jones 2? Yeah. Kali Ma. That's not him, that's what he says. Oh, you meant Indiana Jones 2 like T-W-O. I thought you meant Indiana Jones 2 like T-O-O. No, no, T-W-O. The second Indiana Jones film. Ah. The worst one. Would that technically be an indie film? Yes. I think it's about to not be the worst one anymore. That's true. Anyway. I don't know. We because haven't seen the new one yet. It could it's be not good. out yet. True. True. It's not out yet. No, it's about to not be the worst one because I'm making a fan film starring me exclusively. And you're going to go out of your way to make it a bad Indiana Jones film. You know that's mm-hmm. a thing that's already happened. There was a documentary about it. Okay, well now it's not. So how do you feel about that, huh? I mean, it was a pretty good documentary, so do what you want. Is it possible to make a documentary about something that hasn't happened? Yes. Uh, that's what a movie is. You need to stop lying, Jordan. <laughs> My face when I watch Indiana Jones in 2020. Ah, oh, this will happen soon. These events will transpire in our, in, in our life in the near future. I didn't say it would happen. It's just Me watching that hasn't a Viking happened. movie, The Northman. Ah, yes. 2025's got something in store for us. Vikings again. <laughs> Wait. What do you mean? Wait, what? Now I'm confused by both of you. I have no idea what's happening. I'm looking at the last video that was sent to the Discord chat. You mean Indiana Why Jones? is the documentary predicting the future? That's what I'm wondering. That's Jordan said that! Did she? Yes. She said, films, I said, can documentaries be about things that haven't happened? 
And she said, that's what a movie is. Yeah, that's what fiction is. And then I said, what about all the fiction that's about things that have already happened? Like Vikings and the 40s. And I was making the joke. Those things aren't real. I was going to make the joke that Jordan was implying those are going to happen in the near future. I didn't. You Instead didn't say happen yet. You said it hasn't happened. That's I'm what just, fantasy now I'm, I'm and just fiction are. By everything now. I, I don't just, know what's this happening. This entire situation. But this isn't. We're we're not talking. This isn't what we're doing today on the show. No, this is. Well, I mean, kind of. What? Wait, I don't know. This is exactly how I feel whenever I DM. <laughs> now that's what we're talking about today. That's on the show. yeah, that's what we're talking Good about. Good transition. Good answer. Good answer. You're welcome, but you weren't supposed to say that part. <laughs> I'm just gonna cut it out with doing. the intro. Alright. Oh. Hey everybody, welcome to the Nat One Podcast, aka Nope, because nope. You're not going to want to hear what we're about to have to say. I'm Pertusa. I'm Levi. And I'm Jordan. I'm not going to cut it out with the intro. You could you could just you could just cut back in right after Pertusa says that and then See, it'll the be funny me thing, being like now that we're recording not uh, with Zoom, Jordan doesn't have sole power anymore. Because at any point that I want you guys to still hear me, but I don't want the audience to still hear me, I just hit this funny little button, and now my mic's not being recorded from my perspective. But then I hit this button again, and they're going to think that you're all crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless I, you two happen sure. to be recording your desktop audio. I don't know how to do that. I always <laughs> record my desktop audio. You should probably Levi's record got your it. desktop audio. <laughs> I feel like that's a mess, uh, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> like uh, our Elden Ring recording session yesterday. <laughs> Hasn't failed me yet. But anyways. I'm done making hyperbolic statements. Anyway. Are you? I feel like that was hyperbole. You know. I just feel like it's part of who he is. <laughs> I found a book today that was called Greek Myth. And it outlined a bunch of Greek myths. But not really. It was mostly like, just, just hey, like, hey, here are like, like the Olympians. Isn't that crazy? What about Monogod? No, it was, it was just about like the Olympians. Although... And, you know, and, you feel know, free, to, free shame to shame me for being, being a bad, bad Greek, Greek myth nerd, but, like, <laughs> Hephaestus. Was, wasn't he one of the children of Kronos? Or was he born after? I don't remember. I thought he was a child of Kronos. That I thought so, correct. too. I think he was... It, I was, in that same book, it talked about how Hephaestus was the child of Zeus, and I was like, uh... I was like, I don't, I don't think, think that's so. right. According to Although myth, this so is from Encyclopedia different... Britannica. Mm -hmm. According Ooh, to myth, people? Hephaestus was born lame and was cast from heaven in disgust by his mother Hera and again by his father Zeus. That's what the story oh, was saying. He is. Maybe he's not one of the originals. 
He was brought back to Olympus by Dionysus and was one of the only gods to have returned after exile. I gotta look into that, because I feel like that me might be one of those ones where it's like, yeah, 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 this is the story. However, there are, there are two, two other ones, ones that also exist, but we just don't look at those. It could, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be one of those things that changed over time, where originally, mm -hmm. very early on in religious history, it was the, he was a child of Kronos, and then it morphed into he was a child of Zeus and Hera. Oh, I mean... Since it is such an old myth, we can just, like, change it, because that's kind of like how myths work. So, now he's a child of Kronos. I've decided. Oedipus. Yeah, regardless of uh, what actual old myths say, I just, he's, I say that now, and if we say it enough, you know, give it, like, a thousand years, and people are going to be like, well, the original theory said he was a child of Hera and Zeus, but there's another theory, and now that's, that's canon. <laughs> And we have that power. Because I run a Greek D&D campaign. Woo! In fact, yeah. he does. That's this is and... true. <laughs> yep. And that's what we're, we're talking, about, we're talking about today, yeah. Indeed. We've done a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot of mention about the campaigns I've DM'd in the podcast, I think, over the course of however long we've been doing this for now. Mm. Um, and we have we've offhandedly mentioned uh, the one that we're currently playing, um, where Pertusit is DMing. I'm not DMing, I'm playing in it. Um, but, for a long time, uh, I think we've kind of been reluctant to share too much information about it, partially because there were there were story secrets and stuff, and there was intrigue going on, and uh, Pertusa couldn't say too much to us as players, because then we might figure stuff out. But very recently, I think that knot has been unraveled, and so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, um, this story, as, as I, I called it, the, this campaign... I simply named War for Olympus. It... Let's see, I started coming up with everything for it at the end of 2019. We began playing in the early 2020, but then we took a very long hiatus. Not for the reason you'd expect, I mean like kinda, but not really. Um, and then it didn't pick up regular play again until August or September of 2021. And we've been playing it pretty much weekly since then. Indeed. Yeah. And so, uh, this is also my first foray into being a DM with this. With all homebrew stuff. <laughs> yes. I've said that a few times on here because I am proud of it. And also, I think it's kind of like, if you're going to be a DM, I think it's a fun way to try things. Um, I have fun with it anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's Homebrew world. world. That part I had to do. Every, almost everybody that DMs makes at least as much as a homebrew world and like homebrew cultures and societies and gods and all that. Um... 
Which is great, because creativity and stuff. Um, this one, yeah, this one's Hesiod, which I named because Hesiod, if some of you don't know, was probably the biggest cataloger, or just historian, uh, of Greek myth, with his book Theogony. And as such, for all the information about Greek myth, I tried to use, if there were conflicting reports, I tried to specifically use the Theogony for. And then, yeah, as opposed to, what, what's the D&D book called that's got, is Greek-ish? Theros. Mythic Odyssey Theros. of Theros. Theros. Yeah, as opposed to that, this literally straight up has Greek gods and, and their things. Because I thought it was a coward's way out to use fake Greek gods. Well, and you made yours before Theros came out. <laughs> that too, which I forget about sometimes because it's been so long. <laughs> I um, don't because the original Seder race was the one that you made that was homebrew. Mm. Where is I... mm, But it surprised me. Greek myth is really cool. A lot of people like Greek myth. It's like the first heroes. We've talked before about the parallels between it and like heroes in Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it persists to this day, which is astounding in media. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to make a setting that's Greek myth based. And I did. Although, it's not... Uh, anyone listening, I don't want you to get your hopes up and be like, oh my gosh, it's going to be just like, uh, I don't know, insert Greek thing here, like God of War. Because <laughs> it's definitely not. Oh my god, it's um, Percy Jackson. Yeah. It's exactly like God of War. The setting is a Pangea-like, so it's not very Greek-y in terms of its geography, which would other... it would. If I could go back in time, that's one thing I would change, is I would probably have tried to have made... The world of Hesiod be a uh, archipelago. Well, you kind of did. It's not Pangea anymore. <laughs> Still not really archipelago, though. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still fine with it. The thing that always gets me is I designed the general shape for this Pangea-like continent, just trying to check boxes of what I wanted, what I needed. I was like, okay, I want a small, big world, you know? Like, I only want, like, four or five powers in the world. I don't want a big old giant, like, like real-world map with 80 different, you know, sovereign nations to understand and everything and societies. Um, and it was, it's supposed to be Bronze Age, so the actual history of the world, it's only 844 years. So, like, it's not super old either there's only like like for the elves oh my gosh the elves are still in their like third dynasty <laughs> um there are some elves that are like oh i remember the first leader we need to go back to hit like there <laughs> um or some elves rather they're like i remember when i was plopped into existence uh <laughs> but yeah i just made a cool little world but the funny thing is that as a psychology student that was also studied neuroscience, after I made the world and I started looking at the map at two-dimensional, I was like, that kind of looks like a brain. <laughs> yeah. And I keep looking at I've never like, noticed that. I keep going like, a oh, whoops. That is a Freudian drawing. Not a slip. <laughs> that is a <laughs> complete... Construction of a world based on something else you were thinking about when you constructed the world. <laughs> Amazing. 
It is a, what is that called? I think that might be a Sagittarial slice. Uh, the frontal lobe is on the west. Occipitals on the east. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's one of those slices. And it's pretty good. I mean, I even have, uh, I don't have a, like, cerebellum, I think is about where it cuts off, probably. But the amygdala and stuff is there, which is crazy. <laughs> Actually, the amygdala flew away. But the hypothalamus is still there. But the amygdala flew away because it was scared. <laughs> <laughs> If you know, you know. If you know, you know. You know what I mean? You guys know? Yes, I, I do. Ah, uh, Jordan knows. Tell him, Jordan, tell him. Uh, the amygdala is responsible for your fight or flight response. Oh. Sort of. It's the fear center. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 that was a good one. Thank you. Knee slapper. But I'll be honest, I was not especially moved. And this is uh, peeling back the curtain for the other guys. Another thing, as far as my design philosophy, is like I did not want... I wanted to limit how much I shared with my players as much as possible because I didn't want to alter their perception or their decisions as much as possible. So I don't know how much I've even told you guys about what went into the creation of this world. Next to nothing. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't think... Um, <laughs> if you did tell me, it must have been a long time ago because I can't remember much. Mm-hmm. I did not think of this... The way Levi and I created our homebrew worlds is very different. I did not think of mine thinking of a cool world and thinking of a history for it or anything like that. Or thinking of a map. I said to myself, I want to make a fun Dungeons & Dragons experience for my friends. Let me get a checklist of what I need. And let me get some blank tablet that I can go throw it all on. And so I designed the map, and I was like, good enough. And I said, okay, elf country, check. Orc country, check. Human country, check. Dwarf country, check. Lake, check. Ice and frozy place, check. Underworld, check. Uh, it, that's all it was. Nightmare forest, check. <laughs> yeah. I just I just hit check marks of what I thought would be good for the party to explore. Though I forgot swamp, and I'll never... I'll always regret forgetting swamp. Um, but yeah, that... That's all that went into the creation of this world. Everything else that you guys have experienced has mostly been, like, improv. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> um, as far as characters, I came up with general personalities for the ones that ran each country. But again, that's about it. And then their personalities and the world itself completely and entirely developed in response to the players. That's it. <laughs> So what, what's go, what, is there a war? Is there a war? No, uh, is that, <laughs> in, in War for Olympus, is there a war going on? Now, now there is. There um, wasn't for a while. Now, now there, there is. is. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, uh, do we just want to give like a general summary of the story, what, 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 not like giving the in-depths of what our characters did or anything, but kind of like the, the grand overall what has happened yeah but i don't want to do it so someone else do it so what it comes down to me and levi are the only characters that have been alive since the beginning that's the important part 
this is true. Um, <laughs> although I'm not sure if that's the important part, but it is true it's that it's not. I just think um, it's funny. Jordan and I are the only two players that have our characters that we started with at level yep. one. Everyone else has died or joined after level one, and so they are either on their second character or they have not been here since the beginning. Although the the difference between this and Vivia 2, uh, most of the party deaths were actually willing and intentional party deaths, not just like, oh shit, this character's dead, gotta roll up a but new one. Know. Yeah, it, they were like segues that yeah. were intended and uh, it, it's made the the story interesting because it's instead of it being like a choppy, oh shit, now we've got to insert a new character in. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, the flow has remained and it's been very smooth going. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, this is just like when we start off a session um, <laughs> because Pertus it makes us recap what happened last time instead of doing it himself. Um, sure. We. I read that on a Reddit post once, so that'd be a good way to increase like player engagement. We basically are a bunch of people, obviously, who met and were told that bad stuff was going to happen. And we had to go save the world because there was chaos. The, um, is it, is it a deity in Greek the mythology? The primordial like a, entity? A, yeah. Sort um, of. Yeah. The, the primordial force chaos, the, the, uh, the, first thing that exists in Greek mm-hmm. mythology, chaos, supposedly was going to come and get the world, and it wanted to, like, finish what it started, and then just get rid of everything, and be like, okay, back to chaos, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. And so, we, as players, have been going on this entire grand quest over the course of, we are level 14 now, um, to try to stop this from happening, because we live in the world, we don't want it to go away, and we've been, you know, we had to go gather these these kind of MacGuffins, kind of not, because we did get to use them. Um, mm-hmm. Weapons, tools that were supposedly able to, to beat back chaos, to kill chaos. And as we were doing so, we were encountering all these different people and factions in the world. And we obviously have each of our different little character stories, too, that we all are running through. And... Um, it had, it ended up with us uh, very recently finding out chaos wasn't the chaos wasn't uh, doing that at all. Which I think for a while all of us had kind of thought, but none of us were sure. Only one of us figured out who the actual bad guy was. <laughs> Dylan was the um, only one that called it. Mm-hmm. None of us were exactly sure who the real antagonist was. Um, and we did the thing where we got to chaos. We got to it, and we were like, oh, we're going to get it now. We killed their sick-ass cosmic dragon. They had a cosmic dragon mm-hmm. defending them. We killed it. We got in there, Pretty and chaos cool. was just kind of like, oh, hey, guys. They were really nice. They answered our questions. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> I'll answer any question you want. And we were like, what's going on? Are you actually bad? And they were like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting here. I don't really want to do any of that. I've just been staying here this entire time. Uh, And then the real bad guy showed up and killed Chaos and uh, gathered all of our little MacGuffin slash not MacGuffin 
things together and used mm -hmm. it to create a... What were we calling it? Super, Super MacGuffin. <laughs> an orb. Yeah, it was an orb. It was like a glowy orb. A prism. An kind of uh, uh, item. Wait, I think we called it Wish Machine at one point. Pretty much it just made them into a... Uh, like... If you were comparing it, like, it would be, like, Christian god uh, against, uh, Greek gods. It, like, made them saying, pretty much all-powerful. <laughs> um, and not completely all-powerful, because if he was completely all-powerful, he would have just been able to do everything he wanted with the snap of his fingers, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it, it, like, gave him a super big power boost and allowed him to do a bunch of stuff that he normally otherwise probably wouldn't have been able to do. Um, and the reason it's called War for Olympus is because it was Ares. Ares was the god who was manipulating everything behind the scenes, and he basically lied to a bunch of the other deities about the chaos thing happening so that they would freak out and be like, we need to get people, we need to get mortals to go defeat chaos so that we would gather mm -hmm. all the things together so that he could get them and start what he called his War for Olympus because he wants everyone to fight over... He wants everyone to fight. He's a god of war. He wants everyone to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where we are now. That's where we just got to in the story. So, so that actually begs the question, can you tell us now, was it Ares talking in the ear of the other party that attacked us as well? Oh, yeah, I can tell you about that real quick. Uh, the audience isn't really going to know what's going on, but... Um... What, for, for context, um, about two sessions ago... So Pertuza, a while back, had all of us make backup characters... And we yeah. all thought that it was because we were going into something super dangerous. That was when we were going through the underworld and all that jazz. And so we thought we were getting ready to get ganked. And so we all rolled up backup characters, picked items, did all that jazz, didn't touch them. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pertuzit has all of us roll perception checks. And that other party is walking towards us on the road and attacks us. And so we fought ourselves and almost had a double TPK because we killed ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we never yeah. got answers as to why that was happening. See, I'm very proud of the storytelling of Olympus because I think you put it aptly, Levi, describing how it felt with the character deaths. Is I feel like, though it still feels like a D&D &D campaign, so I hope, and doesn't feel very railroady, uh, I feel like the narrative... And the story has maintained its flow despite the D&D &D nature of the, of the game. Uh, at every juncture. Pretty much. Um, and the reason I bring that up now is because I left several hints that you guys were not the only party going after these weapons... And that resulted in the, uh, I guess, climax of that thread being a whole other party coming upon you guys to get the weapons. Uh, was that party sent there by Ares? In the same way that you guys were sent to get the weapons by Ares, yes. Mm -hmm. And they sense. weren't the only ones. I had a whole world populated of little adventurers that were doing the same thing. It's just several of them died. <laughs> um, I didn't actually run any simulations or anything. I just chose to think of it if you remember way 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 back when you guys got your very first item because hypnos had plotted a uh, fake well i mean it was a real one but he planned out 
a place for you all to go fight and make sure you survive. Mm-hmm. And I chose to think of that as, what if you guys, you guys were not the first party he did that to. Let's say you guys were the 17th party he had done that to. And like 10 of the 17 died right there in that little encounter with bandits. Uh, Five more went on to go die when they confronted Chirexo right after. Two more died when they went to the Orc lands. Like, that's what I think of it as, is like... Several parties have done this and still mm-hmm. were sent to do it after you guys. Because people were like, yeah, they're doing well, but what if they fail? Let's have a backup Just ready. as a fail safe, yeah. Yep. Because I just... It would have been foolish of the gods to be like, this one group of mortals is doing great. <laughs> I think we can just trust it to them forever now. <laughs> well, Greek gods can be pretty foolish. <laughs> True, but these were the entities, and I, I like to think they're a little bit smarter. <laughs> understandable um so you know i i tried to make it known that there were several parties doing this and then i was gonna have them come fight you mostly because and that whole thing was largely crafted because well one it was done for story reason of Ares, because of course he had to have a backup like a reason and if you mm-hmm. guys ever did have a total party wipe i had to have a reason for you guys having <laughs> the same quest yeah um, but then two, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if they all fought each other? And so I crafted that encounter because <laughs> I thought it would be a fun little way to, a fun way to play the game. Cause you almost never do that. If you run official adventures, as far as I'm, I mean, I don't know, but I would think in official adventures, they've never done something like that. Mm-hmm. And you otherwise never would. Cause you know, it's, it's never going to be the players versus the players like with different characters. It's always going to be the DM controls player character stat blocks versus player characters at best. And I didn't want to do all that, man. I don't want to know <laughs> three whole characters for a fight, let alone six. Yeah. No, screw that. You guys got it. And you did. You did got it. Well, you mostly well, got we, we were going to have we it got no ourselves. <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> we were going to win. It was just a question of which we um, Which I think that's part because of who we are as people. We could have got into that and been like, I mean, yeah, we can kind of go easy on the characters that we've been playing for three years and you know are really connected to and like are we're almost we're headed towards the third act of the story, like. But no, we all went ham and tried to kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. It almost worked too. <laughs> it almost. Um, as as if you're someone who's played a decent amount of D&D in the audience, if you can imagine two groups of six level 13 adventurers going up against each other, it was horrible. It, <laughs> <laughs> it hurt a lot on both yeah. ends. Yeah. And I we did think. end up... Uh, the, our original group, obviously, did win. Yes. But with two Barely. people alive out of the six. <laughs> Barely. Like, the other four were dead dead. Not unconscious, dead dead. They had to be yeah. revived. Oh. You know, I still think what would have happened if Tiffany was not being Tiffany. You know? <laughs> what if we I... actually had a character in the place of Tiffany? <laughs> no, I... Not even if there was a different character in place of Tiffany... I'm afraid to know what would have happened if Taryn would have played Tiffany. 
Nothing, because it was Tiffany. It, I, it, no, I feel like he would have made, made it work, work and it would have been, been catastrophic. catastrophic. We need to explain what Tiffany is for the oh, audience. Can't make the, that bitch. Work. That, that bitch. You can't Gemini. make t- Tiffany's bad is what Tiffany is, but we need to explain what Tiffany is so everyone else can understand how bad Tiffany is. Taryn could have made it work. Remember. Uh, Tiff- it still exists. It still exists. All I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Tiffany is a plasmoid, bard, artificer, cleric, fighter, sorcerer. With three levels in bard, artificer, cleric, and fighter, and one level in sorcerer. There is no way to make that effective. Taryn would find a way. Taryn would come up with a way where scientifically, mathematically, it absolutely works, and then he rolls a nat one and dies. (laughs) Yes. Because he forgets this game has dice. Yeah. I believe in him. I think it would have been, it would have just been so catastrophic for everyone involved. In, in I feel game. like what <laughs> would have happened is Taram would have concocted some way to make like an instant kill button for someone in like <laughs> yeah. a 20 foot radius and then somehow would have managed to put it all on the backup party and just killed all of us instantly. And then our, the original group would have just been like, huh? What? <laughs> I mean, the other character that he actually brought into that fight was one that was, like, specifically designed. He said he made to be able to do, like, 80 points of damage in one mm-hmm. in two rounds. And then the character died in two rounds before they got their attack off and therefore did zero damage and zero I, anything the I whole fight. I think they did get one attack off. They got they one attack. They did because they were revived miraculously by a divine yes, intervention. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which also, yeah, to be fair, we probably would have done a little bit better than we did had that not gone off, but... <laughs> TJ was the smoking gun for that fight. Yeah, we, the, uh-huh. the backup party cleric managed to get their divine intervention to work, so after we had, like, half the enemy down, half the backup party was down, the main party was doing good, and okay, they all got back up. Yeah. At full health. Dang. Uh-huh. It was divine intervention. I couldn't not give him that. Oh, no, I loved it. I'm just disappointed oh. that I immediately died again right after. I'm not really good on the game rules, but I didn't love it. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's That was just one moment from Olympus that I like a lot, uh, among several others. Um which a lot were were purely spur of the moment things where I was like, I think it'd be cool in the story if this happened, or it might be a fun experience for the players if I made a, a combat that was like this. Do you and have boom, a? Then I make a story around. Do you it. have a very favorite <laughs> moment so far? A very favorite? Yeah, number one. Do you have a number one? Could you put something in number one or no? Oh. Or like um, a like a top three. Oh. Top ten um, moments in Olympus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, I like the last Methus fight a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it go? I like the first Methus fight. I think even more. My favorite, honestly. one of my favorite moments is from the end of the first Methus fight. Mm-hmm. We'll go off, Queen. Oh, but but we're asking you your favorite moment. <laughs> well, well, I'll go through it. It'll be like a, I'm gonna okay. be like a contents a table of contents. So we're okay. kind of just this episode is kind of just us sharing everything about just Olympus. So yeah. yeah. Well, well, my, my, uh, mine is a, a quick one. The end of that fight because it started. We we definitely were going to win that fight, but it was going to be a debate of like how badly we came out of that fight. 
towards the end with the way that it was playing out. And I, this was just a role play choice and also a playing choice. The fact that Hector killed Methus and not Arlo is one of my favorite moments because Arlo could have taken her turn to try to hit, but instead brought back Zamda because Zamda was down. Yeah. And that whole exactly. thing with like uh, with Hector getting the final shot instead of Arlo, I really like that. And I'm really glad that it played out that way with he like the next turn being Methus dying on Hector's turn. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was very close. And that, okay, we got a few things to unpack about here. First, <laughs> though, let me, I'll, I'll do a few things. Uh, I'll, I'm going I'm to do, uh, you know, um, I do, <clears throat> I do. <laughs> So to your bestie? Yes. So as mentioned prior, I homebrew everything. I homebrewed every magical item the party has gotten, which is honestly more than you'd expect. Um, aside from a few, like Bag of Holding, I kept some classics in there. Um, when will I get to meet the bag man? You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I... That's the other thing. As much as I do think some of the like D and first off, D and D stuff very cool. Uh, community homebrew D and D stuff also very cool. Looking at you, False Hydra and Bagman. Uh, Love the False Hydra. But at the same time, I personally feel to use those things myself would make this campaign less of mine own and our own by extension. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. By merit that I'm making all this, it is ours and ours only, and no one can have an experience like it. Mm -hmm. unless, unless they, they buy, buy our book coming out on patreon, patreon. No, i wish right bet when we when we get monetized on youtube we'll start working on the source mm -hmm. book uh but yeah every single monster they've ever fought i have stat blocks for and monster they will fight eventually and all of them i like to think are relatively unique like they're not like like, you know, oh, this one has a bite attack, and this one has a claw attack. Like, I feel like all of them have had some interesting niche or interesting ability that kind of completely changed a combat. Yeah. I especially look at the most recent one, of course, the cosmic one, because they didn't have a big <laughs> deal with it. Um, but even, like, the Nemean Lion, or, yeah, where it's it couldn't be hit twice or something, I think, was its, its little catch. Yes, I yeah, yeah, I remember it that. It was invincible. Um... But yeah, I like to have little things. The, uh, oh, his name's escaping me. His name's not Nectar. What's his name? Oh, Nestor? Nestor. Nestor. <laughs> um, he's from the Iliad, I swear. Uh, <laughs> his little niche, I like that too, where he had the different duplicates all around. Mm -hmm. God, those were all so long ago. I know. Um... The, the the fragment of chaos fights I really like because it's, you know, they have the little, you have to go beat up the other thing. That's a classic mm -hmm. video game trope, though. But still, I liked it because it made you guys have to think on your feet of how to deal with it. Those were all good fights. The last one got real dangerous real fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, every homebrew, or all the enemies homebrew, all the items homebrew, homebrew feats, some of them. Um... And then some homebrew rules, but not too many, that are not common. Because I feel like that doesn't change the game too much that I would feel like it's taking away from our uniqueness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the few ones that I made were like bleed damage, but even that wasn't like every attack can bleed. There is just a bleed damage type yeah. in my game because I feel it's unfair that you can't make things bleed. <laughs> I was like, every game has bleeding mechanics, but D&D? <laughs> Same for poison. I think I also made a poison and a burn. I, I made things mm-hmm. that do damage over time because that is not well reflected in the game as it currently yeah, stands. Yeah, yeah. Um... And that uh, segues into that Methus died from bleed damage, which was really poetic almost. Because, like, he was getting ready to take his big nasty turn and do something that would probably be really bad for everybody. And he just bled out. <laughs> Poof. Yep. Um, should we give context as to who Methus is? That's probably a little bit, yeah. Go ahead, Jordan, or Levi. Oh, oh no, Levi, do it. Levi, Levi do it. Yeah, Levi, Levi, yeah. explain yeah. Arlo's backstory. The whole okay. thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, first I'll explain Methus in relation to my character, and then I'll mm-hmm. explain Methus in relation to everything else. So my character, uh, human, female, paladin, the only way she knows Methus on a personal level is Methus, uh, during the campaign, not backstory, during the campaign, kidnapped her parents and boyfriend and said if you don't give me Jordan's character I'm keeping him uh so I ran off to go rescue my parents and I my character has only ever and will ever despise Methus um he was the leader of a Dionysus cult uh who obviously if you know anything about Dionysus their whole thing is like partying hedonism uh, being naked in the forest, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but Yucky. this particular sect was like, I guess you could call them uh, like, oh, well, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Radicals. Like, like fanatic, like um, yeah. fundamentalist. <laughs> I, I think fanatical is a good word. Fundamentalist might be a good description as well. Um, but they're, they were pretty much like, yeah, if you ain't got your wang out, Every day, all day, you ain't a Dionysus worshiper. <laughs> so they, yeah, like we showed up to where they were, and it was literally like multiple piles of people on the ground doing stuff. I'm stuff. Um, <laughs> and Methus was like, ah, oh, you showed up, gimme. And then we didn't gimme, and we fought. Um, but in relation to Arlo, Jordan's character, Methus is probably her dad. Yeah. We're not that sure. I didn't know. No. We're, we're, we're pretty, pretty sure. sure. We don't have well, we don't have 100% concrete evidence. We're but like 80% we sure. have extremely close like correlation evidence. In in actual relation to Jordan's character, uh Methus was Arlo's cult leader cuz Arlo ran away from the cult of Dionysus and that's where her whole story started. She fell out of a tree and woke up out of her like a like 10 year wine stupor and ran away and so that's uh they wanted her back because he was not happy that she left which uh, to me further is evidence that they are probably related (laughs) yeah and we ended up killing him Dylan Dylan killed killed him him. although i will say uh we beat him and then he did get possessed by like an avatar of dionysus so we actually like had to fight divine intervention (laughs) yeah because towards the end he was just kind of a meat puppet that was my favorite moment (laughs) and yeah it was it was a very cool it was a very cool cinematic little 
moment. It was also an interesting story beat moment because though there are now there are six of us at the time there were five of us but only three of us were there yep yep uh Around because when my character ran off to go save my parents who got kidnapped in front of all five of us only two others said yes we should we should help her <laughs> and followed me yeah. actually i wasn't going to help you i was going to stop you from walking into the cult <laughs> Um, but we ended up, yeah, that, that little group of three was, uh, we ended up doing a, doing a little bit with, with mm -hmm. just the three of us when we did this little separation. And in real world, we had separate sessions where it was that group of three and then the other group of two off doing their own thing. Indeed. Um, which funnily enough, the other group of two was a very recently introduced new character that replaced another character that had just died and a character who by the end of that died by the end of those two being together died so it was pretty much the two new characters uh once we reunited were that group um but yeah no we uh gosh how what level were we when we fought met this i seven i don't remember i want to say it was I think you were eight arlo didn't have very many barbarian levels yet so it had to be it had to, it was a while ago. I know it was a while ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, so, that was um that was a good moment. Mm -hmm. yep. And I thought it was um I thought it was good for again, for more context. Um the other character that was with us. Maybe I was thinking seven because of this, because I'm pretty sure did Hector join us when we were level seven? I, I think, think so. Um the mm -hmm. Uh, one of our friends who had had played in a previous campaign with us but hadn't been part of this campaign but then asked uh, part of the way through if he could join so we were like of course because you played with us before mm -hmm. um, joined in and he joined when we were level 7 and so his character which was one of those three was very new to the group around this time and I think it was um, it was a good kind of bonding experience for that character because he made that choice to be like I'm gonna go save this person's parents and help out the group and everything and then we did a little bit more after that too and it was yeah again we called ourselves the three musketeers musketeers whatever you want it was it was a little camaraderie thing we had going on in that group the we other two were fighting rats <laughs> no they were helping rats they were oh they were helping they rats were okay bees. sorry they were, they were fighting bees i still don't know 100 percent of what went on in that Group. They got, got shrunk down, down and they I know they got shrunk. A bee. I. But why? The bee fight was really hard, man. But it why? Was, they almost, they almost died. died. Why did they do that, though? Because uh, the much. Rat King wanted them to. And we've never met the Rat King. We. <laughs> they met the Rat King. None. The rest of us have not met the Rat King since <laughs> this has happened. Uh, who was that guy? Drug trip. <laughs> who was that guy when we went to that one town who was like the king of the the druggies or something? He was in the the pudding king. The pudding king. I. What about him? I just, I don't know why. Just drugs. mentioning the rat king just made me remember the pudding <laughs> king for some reason. Arlo this... stole and then did all of his kite. <laughs> 
over the exact events of Olympus is like going through an old notebook you have from like your second year (laughs) of high school. You're going to find some really cool memories, but then you're also going to find stuff like the Pudding King. (laughs) One of those really cool memories. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Pudding King in all of us, I think. Uh, Speak for yourself. No. (laughs) But yeah, no, that was... um... That was one of Pertusit's most favorite moments. Yeah. Jordan, what was one of your favorite moments, Jordan? That that I said that was my favorite moment. God, that you're not allowed to pick the same one. No, that's fine. I don't care. I said it um, before he I don't care. I just said I don't care. I said I was kidding. I... I'm going to rule initiative and beat Jordan, and then it's mine. No. <laughs> that's fine. It's pertaining but to the character, but if we if we were doing like a top five, and you could have like one underneath that, just so that we could bring up another good moment, what do you think that would be? If you had like a second most favorite. Ooh, that's a good question. I liked whenever we went through the. Uh, this is another Three Musketeers story, but whenever we went through the Nestor Dungeon. The Nestor Dungeon was interesting. It was, it was very, very cool. really wacky. Um, I like that one. Is it? There was a. What do you want to call him? I guess like a. Disgruntled. Ghost, kind of. He wasn't disgruntled. He was. His whole life was hell. He was a very, (laughs) very mistreated, uh, individual. He was the prime example of like he instead of learning and growing from his trauma, he let it consume him. Yes, he just decided to. Uh, hate instead of well not instead of but he he didn't have anyone to help him he didn't have yeah, anyone yeah. to help him through that so he just became a, a, a ball of hatred instead yeah. of yeah. growing beyond and uh, he was the guy who there's a structure in Pertusis' world called the temple of all and it's the biggest temple in the world it's like the big pilgrimage site Mega for, for all of the religious mm-hmm. people to go to and Nestor built it he was the guy that built it he was a really powerful wizard who used his wizardry to build the temple uh, and then and he then died he, he died. didn't even get yeah he didn't even like get to go in it he, he we saw all of this because we were going through like his mm-hmm. mind palace um, because Nestor was possessing the current, like, head priest, the current high priest of the temple, and was like, I'm gonna use your abilities to make the temple go to war with everyone, because the temple's also kind of like a city-state. Um, so we had to go stop that, so we went into her head using, wasn't it like we wore, wore weird hats? Yeah, it was, it was the weird hats, yep. Yeah, and those made us go into her head, and then we fought him and beat him, but we got to see like his entire life story leading up to that moment, and yeah, he was a sad, sad little man. I felt um, really bad for him. him. But we saved the day. We, <laughs> we did. We did. Sure. Um, you know, I also like that moment a lot. Um, Nestor and his whole thing was born out of. First off, I need to make the temple more interesting than just it's a temple. Um, and so I was like, well, what if there's a benevolent leader, but she's being possessed by a very not benevolent ghost? And then tier two was, okay, I like having many different types of villains. I think it'd be boring if they're all redeemable or if they're all irredeemable. So let's mix it up a little. And so Nestor, the whole goal for him was to be completely irredeemable, but also like you can understand why <laughs> he yeah, is. Yeah. Which I think is why I mean, he was so tragic. Like you could absolutely, mm-hmm. he, he, he should have been allowed to let the world burn. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I don't. I. <laughs> what, 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 you know what I mean. 
<laughs> Symbolically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other thing is, like, people talk about all the time about how, like, D&D players interrupt their, their villain's monologue. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm the hot take. I'm going to call you all on this right now. <laughs> if you need a monologue to get your villain across, you're not doing it right. I'm just saying. Shots fired from saying. Pertuzit. Now, I will say, I did have the defense that this villain was a spellcaster and a very powerful one and a ghost. So, definitely had ample time to <laughs> do his backstory without him being present. But, you know, if you're if this is your villain, they should... I mean, you probably can do something. Or other. It can make it a non-powerful person. You caught exactly. the logging. <laughs> yeah. Um... So yeah, I just used, and also the other thing I'm obsessed with, if you've if you've been listening to the podcast enough at this point, you know I'm obsessed with turning tropes on their heads, sometimes to my own detriment, <laughs> and I don't like that all people perceive dungeons as they possibly can be is like literal dungeons or things Meat like grinders. sewers. Yeah, in general, just something like with stonework and traps and skeletons. I hate that that's all people can perceive dungeons as. So in my games, I went out of my way to make dungeons out of things, like actual playable dungeons as far as like dungeon delving rules are concerned, out of things that do not at all resemble dungeons, such as a man's mind palace, or an underwater base, or a uh, oh, forest. Cool. We should talk about that. <laughs> that yeah. was a good one the too. Raven or the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was cool. Um... And as a result, I think that's made some very memorable moments, hopefully, and without being a problem from the player perspective. Because sometimes I do get too obsessed with what seems cool, so <laughs> it might be a problem where it's it's not fun for the players. I don't know. We don't have surveys. I haven't had a... <laughs> uh, I mean, so far, I've been good with everything that's happened in Olympus. I mean, yeah. even if something frustrating has happened, I've always understood how it played into the story. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been like, okay. Kind, kind of like the same thing with Nestor, where I've been like, well, I understand how we got to this point. Like, mm. it may not make me happy, but I, I completely understand why we're here. When we're six yes. months deep into a mm. chaos cache. Yes. <laughs> the chaos caches are probably, the first chaos cache I think is probably the most frustrated I think any of us ever were <laughs> in Olympus. And but also so I think good. that was kind of the point of the first chaos cache. Um, because it is a, a chaos cache. We've talked. We've had to have talked about. We talked about the chaos cache a little bit. I know because it's. I think mm-hmm. we talked about it around the time that it ended, and I think the thing with that one is like I, as a D and D player, like when you're playing the character, I don't think that there are a lot of times where you feel like as a character, truly helpless because you're an overpowered entity in this world. Like you can probably whack your way, way out, of out of anything. Once you reach, like, level five, you're stronger than yeah. the average person by leagues. But in that situation, mm-hmm. just sitting there and be, just watching all of this stuff play out and not understanding what is going on and just feeling that feeling of, like, I, I this is just so much bigger than anything else we've done and I don't know what's going, what's going on. on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is exactly what I hoped to do because it was based on cosmic horror, which mm-hmm. did make you feel helpless. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. It was very good. Very, very good. Um, Thank you. But yeah, no, I think we should um, talk about the, the Ravenwing uh, experience just a little. Oh, that stupid thing. I hate Ravenwing. Man. <laughs> no, not not just for puzzle. the dungeon, but I think for the, uh, the, the, the final encounter of the dungeon. I, 
What? Uh, I did love that. The Myelin Sheath Puzzle. Oh! Uh, <laughs> that was just a certified D&D party stupid moment, is what that was. Uh, that... Plus lack of visuals. <laughs> yeah, that was just a, we really overthought the puzzle and, like... I, I, I think that's the point where we just, we were simultaneously too smart and too dumb for the dungeon <laughs> basically to explain to the audience what happened was there was a the, okay so the hector the character <laughs> i mentioned earlier hector the character i mentioned earlier who joined us at level seven he was part of a mercenary group called the raven wings the raven wings had an old base that was no longer theirs like generations ago they had this base which is now sunken underwater because atlantis obviously it's greek myth so atlantis is here and it's run by poseidon and it's a little bit out from atlantis it's like in the backwater no pun intended of atlantis <laughs> so we ended up having to go there for a thing uh and the entire base is in the shape of like a human body so all of the puzzles and the traps and the encounters were all based off of things that were related to that so were we in the brain we were in the head that was where the myelin sheath was yeah <laughs> one of the five puzzles there was a puzzle for each limb and then the head and one of the five puzzles i don't remember exactly how it worked but all i remember is that we got in there and we really heavily overthought the puzzle and started trying to use actual real world biology to figure out how to solve it <laughs> And busted, busted out the, the biochem. Bio yeah, and we did not have to do that at all. <laughs> we were like miles away from where we needed to be. Uh, yeah. It was, and in truth, a pretty simple puzzle. It just would have taken trial and error. And the catch was, of course, that guys, they, they couldn't just endlessly retry things and then be like, well, that didn't work, try it again. Because each time they failed, they were taking damage. Mm -hmm. um, we call it the myelin sheath puzzle because it looked like myelin sheaths. It was based on actual neurochemical stuff. Um, and it was basically like, you need to make sure that all of these things, all of these uh, electrical signals happen in the correct order. And so you had, they had to figure out what made it go faster, what made it go slower, you know, which ones, like, all the speed, everything. And they were figuring it out. But then they also, they weren't applying it where they needed to. They, they they didn't know what they needed to do. They were just trying to figure out what did what and then trying to figure out what happened. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there wasn't a thing that said, this is what you need to do. It was just like, there, here's the room. What do you guys do? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, they eventually got it because, oh my gosh, I think you guys spent like a total of almost two hours just trying to figure that out without taking damage. Yeah. Yes. Like, Please. Just, just do, do something. something. Like, Certified D and D moment. Uh. Mm. You guys think that's bad? I gotta tell you about the other group and the mirror story, but that's <laughs> for another time, probably. But it's uh, called another tale. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. The boss of um, the final boss of that dungeon, quote unquote, was um, oh, what's his name? Pygmalion. Yes. Pygmalion, who created a giant perfect quote-unquote being out of a bunch of different body parts and so we basically fought a lich and his super strong like ogre undead creature that which he had was, created which had the face of a former party member yes um <laughs> one of those dead ones that we mentioned um but yeah that that it 
I just thought that encounter was cool just because of the we had heard in world of the mm-hmm. of the legend of Pygmalion. We when got a we, scary story for when we were getting ready to leave to go to that first chaos cache, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we got a scary story about that, and then it like came full circle, and it was like, oh my gosh, he's actually real and actually is a malevolent entity that is super bad. Uh, <laughs> and now we're standing face to face with him. Uh, so we had to, we like fought an urban legend pretty much. It was like we fought Mothman, but <gasps> Greek. That's, That's my, my bag, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's very fun. It was hard. I'll tell you, from the DM perspective, I knew what I wanted to do from before I told them that story about Pygmalion, which was just, mm-hmm. it's a story of Pygmalion with a bit of a horror-y twist on it. Um, for those of you that want to know the story of Pygmalion, look it up, those of you that do. Uh, pretty cool, right? It's Pygmalion um, with flesh golems. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I was like, oh, I think it'd be cool to incorporate more Greek myth, but change it a little so that way they don't. Like, uh, like King Midas, sure, but what if I changed it a little, you know? Mm-hmm. Pygmalion, sure, but what if I changed it a little? So, I threw that in there, and I, I told them the scary story, because I was like, I want this to feel real. I want this to be incorporated in the world beyond just they see them, they fight them, they win, they move on. Um, and so I did that. But it's really hard, as a DM... Because I tell them the scary story, and they're like, oh, that was cool. Anyway, let's move on. And every fiber of my being wants to be like, you guys don't know. You're going to fight him later. You're going to fight him later. It's going to be cool and awesome. You guys don't know that, though. It's hard to fight that urge so hard, man. But then it was cool and awesome when we fought him later. Mm-hmm. And yes. when we did it again. Didn't tell yeah. us. We <laughs> did do it again, technically. Yeah, that was really funny. That also made me feel proud because I felt like my ability to design things was proven there because i didn't design that quote unquote <laughs> and it fell hard Our, <laughs> that was completely based off of um the second encounter with pygmalion was completely based off of player initiative mm-hmm. though that wouldn't yeah. have happened at all had we not taken actions that we had uh yeah. basically one of the party members ended up becoming a lich on but, accident. but after they had already died so then like we encountered them later and the, it wasn't yeah. the party member being the lich, it was their body being inhabited by the lich. <laughs> yeah. Which was fun. Again, that was another thing where I was like, I just think it would be cool if a player got to control a, a lich stats, so I'm going to make a scenario and make it happen. <laughs> and remember that part where he mentioned that one of the dungeons that we went to was the afterlife? That's where we found them. Yup. Yep. That's where we found and fought them. <laughs> We did the we did the um, litmus test for every Greek hero, which is go into the underworld and come back. Uh, and all of us had to go into the underworld to do a thing, and we did in fact come back. We went through the, we went through. Is it just the three in regular Greek myth too? It's just the three different, like levels. In regular Greek myth, well, it depends on what source you conduct, but I think traditionally there's only two: Elysium two. and Tartarus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what was the third one that we had? Uh, Asphodel. Asphodel. Uh, so ba- stolen from the Hades game. Yeah, there was basically, a, uh, obviously there's Elysium, which is, I mean, if you want to give it a modern equivalent, like heaven, essentially. That, that That's, you don't want to try to make comparisons like that, but that that's the best way to compare it, I think. And then, obviously, Tartarus, hell. And then Asphodel was kind of just like, gray. And ashy. Uh, Dante's Purgatorio. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, we found them in Tartarus, and we ended up fighting them. And, uh, yeah, we descended through all three levels and made our way back up through all three levels. And we're probably going to end up going... No, not probably. We are we going to end up yeah. going back. We're going to go two times based Yay. on events that happened in the very last session we did. Indeed. So. I do. Uh, man, I'll tell you, the Midas thing didn't work as I wanted it to, but I still think it's really funny and cool, and I like how it happened. <laughs> um, the intention for Midas, which I think I did tell you guys post-Midas being taken... Uh, I am similar to Pygmalion. I put King Midas in my world, but he was just a random beggar that appeared every now and again and asked for money. Um, and the party would give him money every now and again. But here's what I didn't account for. The Terran Factor. <laughs> you can never, you can never account, account for the, the Terran it's, Factor. Yeah, no, it's all you can't. So imagine my surprise when this homeless beggar man keeps asking for coin and, and they see him for a third time. And the Terran character says, I'm going to take him and abduct him. Because he seems Adopt. weak enough that he couldn't Adopt. run away. Yeah, yeah, we can use whatever word you want to call it. <laughs> by any other name. Um, and, and so, so he's, he's stuck, stuck with him. him. Here's, the, here's the kicker. Uh, Terran's character had become very wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in their little side adventure that they did when we yeah. broke up into two groups, the end of their adventure resulted in them becoming obscenely wealthy, like hundreds of thousands of gold coins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In a bag of holdings. So they were, they just had like unending money. Yeah. Yep. And so the thing was going to be that Midas was going to have stats equal to the amount of money he had gotten from the party. <laughs> Uh, and then he was going to fight them later on in the story. <laughs> but one, the one character kept giving thousands of gold to Midas, which meant he was going to have over 100,000 HP when the party fought him. And his attacks were going to do over 1,000 damage per hit. I think we could have taken him. Which could decide the modifier for. So instead, and because of other reasons happening in the story... They did not fight him. He became a Terran special bear. bear. We did kind of, like, we, I don't want to say we adopted him, but we, <laughs> we did. took him into the group as an NPC, and we were trying to take it because we felt bad for him, because he was like a wandering old man who kept telling us he didn't know where his family was, and he wanted to mm -hmm. find his family, so we were like, okay, we've seen you three times now, we'll help you find your family, old man. <laughs> And it turns out all of his family's in Hades. <laughs> so we technically uh, succeeded. We technically succeeded because Midas ended up. I think he's our friend. I'm not sure, but he. Yeah, I think he. Betrayed he, us. he doesn't dislike us. Um, but we ended up going to Hades, and then like on our way out, he pretty much kept uh, Persephone, who was trying to kill us on our exit at bay. In order to let us all escape, he fought her for us. Um, and Taryn was like, very sad. Was the back baby papoose really necessary? No. Absolutely. Because the, the art is hilarious. <laughs> Taryn did, in fact, put him in a, in a baby backpack uh, for our travels. Although, I will say, it was he was really slow, but there were other methods of moving him around that didn't have to be a backpack. <laughs> but, but the art is really mm. funny, 
as the it person is. who made the art. It's really funny. <laughs> and that's the Terran factor. Uh, but yeah, now <laughs> Midas will forever be an integral part of our story. The special yep. bear. When did ha that happen? I remember the special bear. I, I remember, remember us making that. fun of him for it. When did that happen? Uh, I, don't I don't remember. remember. He, he at, said, well, we didn't make fun of him. He said it, and we all were like, He what? said it, and we were all really weirded out because it was <laughs> like, one of those what? moments where, like, Taryn usually never says, like, okay, 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 listen, audience, listen. <laughs> Taryn, one day when we were playing, we were just talking about Midas, and we were being like, oh, Taryn, it's really weird that you carry him in like a backpack, and we were joking about like Iris having fallen in love with this old man, we, that was the joke, was that we were like, oh, you've become enamored with this old man, and then he said, I'm not in love with him, he, like something along the lines of like, he's my special bear, bear. and yeah. we were all like unprompted. There was no context for that. We Nobody hadn't made, like, any jokes about... Nobody him into, into it. it. No, no, he just said that. And so... And so then all of us were like, what? Wait, what do you mean he's your special bear? And he didn't back down. He kept calling him that. Yep. And to this day, I don't think any of us know what brought Taryn to call him that. No. I have no idea. But that that's why. That's why we're talking that's what I mean when I talk about the special bear. Well and I also think mm -hmm. it's funny because it's not really it's not really in Terran's character necessarily, most of the time when he plays, to form emotional attachments with NPCs. Like he has not had a romantic interest in other campaigns or like an NPC that he is specifically tied to. And so just the fact that his character has this really weird relationship with this very old man. <laughs> no. Like, a, almost like a... I don't know. Did, was she, like, putting him in the place of her father? Is it, I like, is that what it's supposed know. to be? Is it... Like, it's I don't know. It's just Terran. <laughs> <laughs> you can't psychoanalyze Terran's D&D &D choices. It's not... It's not gonna... Not gonna work. Oh. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I do think my BBEG reveal is probably one of my favorite moments, even though it literally just happened. The way I had to mute myself because I was screaming the entire time. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good. I just had been building to it for so, so long. It was a nice payoff <laughs> for me, at least. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that was great. Uh, Hector finding his ancestor was really funny, great, and unexpected, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, that was... Wait, which one are you talking about? Which? The one they found in Elysium. That oh, yeah. Like... That, yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Also, another thing that I wanted to bring up attention to. Way, way back when you guys visited Olympus and Hector went to go talk to Ares, he actually caught him right after he had killed another god. Oh. And had he succeeded a perception check way back then, he would have noticed the insignia of another god on the item. No. But, but he didn't. That's yeah. wild. But he failed the check. I distinctly remember this. Because I was like... God damn it, Hector. <laughs> um, we can't say god damn it, Hector, when he's the one who knew it and yeah. none of us did. <laughs> 
To be fair, I think our guesses were definitely founded in logic and the information that we had at hand. Oh, definitely. I mean, no. I would hope no. we would do so. <laughs> I don't know. Have you met us? No. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Jordan. <laughs> An underworld uh, doctor? No. I'm feeling sick. No. <laughs> You're going to make me sick. Stop talking about Honkai Star Rail. You walked into that one. I did yeah. not. It was a different bit and you know it. That was a really good, like, we each said a line. There's a Three Stooges moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling uh, sick. I, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Honestly, of all things, I also really like Tisa's house a lot. I love Tisa's house. I didn't expect it to become that. I mean, like at the time I did, I was building towards that. But that was I know that's another one that was basically improv. Mm-hmm. And I think it went really well. <laughs> it ended up with us adopting the NPC this time literally. Indeed. Actually, cuz she's yeah. a child. Yeah. Well, I also love uh, that encounter cuz the encounter was great, but also I creeped out Levi in the middle of all of that. Mhm. I don't remember this. Because you got to see Creepy called Arlo trying to recruit a child. <laughs> oh, that's right. And <laughs> you said that was creepy. Yeah, very creepy. <laughs> I was very proud of that. I just, uh, I, I liked, um, everybody got to see some crucial moments from about themselves or where they were headed, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et yep. It was really great. And honestly, another high-key moment that I really liked from that was the elaboration upon Zosime's background. Mm-hmm. That brought a lot more context into who she is. Oh, yeah. I loved that. I enjoyed that for her. <laughs> and Hector, especially. Because the whole thing with that was the dice decided a funny story thing there where she didn't pass, so she didn't see it, but Hector did. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she was like, oh, what'd you see? And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for context, basically, Hector saw something really private that belonged to an NPC that was about their past with, with trauma. And because of the dice, the NPC does not know Hector saw that, but well, Hector did. <laughs> uh, well, and this NPC is also Hector's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. And that, honestly, the Tisa's house kind of reminds me of Mommy Makeout Day. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I'm going to need some context. No, you know, you were there. You were there for Mommy Makeout I Day. was there for both of them, but I'm, I'm struggling to find the common thread. Please enlighten me. No, 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 no. Uh, the little girl's house and Mommy Makeout Day are very similar. <laughs> Shut uh-huh. up. <laughs> Maybe for oh, the audience, you might want to elaborate. elaborate. I'm feeling sick. Uh, no. <laughs> um... As we call it that, I think we've at this point talked about that because we talked about We it did mention, yeah, we did mention Mommy Makeout Day. I hate so if you want that context, we call it that. Watch the go holidays. Go to the holiday episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, oh. Phew. Do you know what that's from, that meme? No. Mommy Makeout It's from this really old uh, video on YouTube of some, like, influencer who just goes to the beach and declares that it's Mommy Makeout Day. And he goes around finding single moms, and I don't even remember. It's one of those things where it's like, would you rather take like fifty dollars or kiss me? And then like they all want to kiss him because he's so attractive. 
That's it. That's the video. Why would you not it. take $50? But I just He's remember, really like, the reason I knew of it was because in Bandcamp, the entire drumline was obsessed with that for, like, a good Horse year, where they just kept calling, thing, they just kept saying mommy makeout day, and so, like, once I had actually had a situation where it could very vaguely apply to it, I was like, I'm gonna call it this. <laughs> Me, when I'm getting a drink of water, I'm going to mommy makeout day. <laughs> As all memes, they get immediately overused like crazy. <laughs> um, those are some of the highlights. Uh, I think new chitin. Whenever the fake leader was discovered to be a fake, was really fun. <laughs> that whole night was really fun. Because you also met all the humans and learned that they definitely aren't defenseless, which was cool and fun for me. Yep. Uh, yeah. A lot of good moments. It's hard to remember them all, but those are some of the highlights. Oh, it's Greek. It's Greek. Huh? And it's not Theros. Yeah, my big fat Greek campaign. <laughs> Until at the very end he reveals it is Theros, and he's been lying to us doubly all along. And then, and these guys don't even know how the campaign ends yet. I mean, we did get the BBEG reveal finally, but these guys don't even know that this is about to happen, which I'll tell only you, audience, so I just need you guys to deafen real quick. <sighs> sure, sure. Yeah. Alright, so basically... I can uh, uh, I can force not, Jordan to definitely if we need to. I'm not actually going to say it. I didn't <laughs> think he was actually going to say it. I, you never know. Although, I look forward to it because I do really, really like the way the story's unfolded in Olympus so far. And I think it's only still headed towards an amazing trajectory. And I think Olympus 2 is also going to be really good. I am hyped for Olympus 2. Is it going to be called Olympus 2? <laughs> well, it really, it really shouldn't. shouldn't. First of all, <laughs> the only reason this one got called Olympus is because War for Olympus took too long to say, even though the name of the continent is Hesiod. <laughs> well, but that was the concession from just calling it the Greek campaign. What also, if we started calling it Wafo? That's the name of a band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we are going to start calling it that? I think you should call the second campaign Valhalla. Bomb, bomb, bomb. That doesn't make any sense. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Norse will be included, but it is not going to be a central theme at all, at least as far as I can help it. Bomb. <laughs> That's probably a good place to cut it. Bomb. <laughs> I'm hitting stop record. We hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to. If you really like our content, make sure to like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications on YouTube, and look for us on Spotify. If you'd like to see us continuing to do more fun projects in the future, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find our page linked in the description above all of our other social media links. And finally, if you'd like to keep up with the zany shenanigans of our lives and check out some more skit-based content and things like that, check us out on Twitter and TikTok. Links in the description. And hey, thanks.